Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Only in college football could we have the reality TV show script of a head coach having a scandal, then coming back to that school years later as the offensive coordinator. Oh, also baked into this whole reality TV show that is college football. You got rankings that get released via a national television show, and then we talk about them with scenarios and different things that could happen that might happen. Welcome into the hard count. We got a lot to talk about in the wild world. That is college football. Playoff rankings were released last night. We'll give you our thoughts on them. We got playoff scenarios as we always do every single big picture Wednesday. I alluded to Bobby Petrino. He is going to be the next offensive coordinator at Arkansas. It's a wild world we're living in. Got a lot to unpack. We're glad to have y'all here. This is the hard count. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. The last one on the face of this planet. Going to make it a great one. We appreciate y'all being tuned in. You got a lot going on. We got people listening at work, people listening at school. We have people listening while they're studying for finals. Whatever you're doing, we appreciate y'all being dialed in with us and being a part of this show. Make sure you're following us right now on Twitter and Instagram at JD Piquel. We are headed to the SEC title game. This Saturday, we'll be in Atlanta. Excited to see a lot of y'all there. Saw a lot of y'all. We were in Tuscaloosa week two of the season. It was great to meet y'all. We're going to be out there. So make sure you're following us on the socials, and we'll post a lot on the story. We'll post a lot uh, content-wise on, on the Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it right now. We'll have a lot of content on both those platforms. So make sure you're dialed in there. Like I said, it's Big Picture Wednesday. So every single Wednesday, we go through our scenarios for the college football playoff that y'all bring to us. So important, again, to be following me on Twitter for that very reason. Going to get to that in a second. But I want to talk a little bit here in just a minute about what's going on with Texas A&M because there was a clip that's circulating right now on the social medias. 
and it is an individual in, in the local news sector. And, and I don't want to necessarily attack the statement itself because I think it's an overall sentiment that's been held around Texas A&M. There's this feeling that Texas A&M feels entitled to a certain amount of success. And I don't know if that's all the way fair to, to bang on them for. Like, yes, Texas A&M, they've had some struggles the last couple of years. But why is there this expectation around A&M? Why is there this sort of... Uh, on the edge of your seat feel around that operation. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Going to talk about Bobby Petrino here a little bit later. Before we get to all that, though, let's reset the table. And let's go to what the college football playoff rankings were last night. A little bit of a shakeup there. Some of you thought Texas would be at six. I was one of those someones that thought Texas would end up being right on the outside looking in in that first two out. They're still at seven. Ohio State is who dropped back to number six. And so why this is surprising, I don't think it's unfair. Because when you look at the resume, Ohio State, they have two top 10 wins and their loss is to the number now two team in the country at the time you played them, number three team in the country by one loss on the road. So is Texas probably going to finish past Ohio State should they win the Big 12 this weekend? Yes, but I appreciate the committee not projecting. So if you're a Texas fan, you're saying, why is Ohio State in front of us? It's a resume thing. But don't worry, you win this weekend. You have a, I think, more than decent shot to find yourself in the college football playoff. So Ohio State at six, I don't have an issue with it. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. This will not hold if Texas wins because Ohio State clearly not playing this weekend. So it is what it is. Now at five, you got Oregon. And for them, I think the resume is fine. Uh, three ranked wins so far. But the thing with, with Oregon right now that I have an issue with, with the way that people are, are talking about Oregon, people are acting like Oregon's ranked too high. And for some of this, it's around who they've played. Like the resume is a thing with them. I said the resume is fine. People are, are dunking on Oregon for the Utah win. They're saying, J.D., yeah, it was a top 15 win when they played them. Look at Utah now. They got four losses. And yeah, they, they have four losses, but Utah, their four losses all came against top 20 teams. Two of those four losses were against top 10 teams. So Utah, man, it's a tough deal being in the Pac-12 right now. It's a tough deal not having Cam rising right now. So it is what it is, but I don't think we should just discredit Oregon for the resume. And again, the eye test, the way they beat teams, the way they've gotten better since that loss against Washington. We'll talk about the scenarios here in just a second, but I think Oregon, if it were up to me, I think if they win out, they should control their own destiny. But again, we'll give you our thoughts on what we think the committee will do here in just a minute. Florida State, it is what it is, man. Two ranked wins. Uh, I think that LSU win is being counted as a top five win, and that's just the way the committee is rolling right now. They are undefeated, and it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for them. Now, there's a lot of people saying, well, hey, if, if they were to finish undefeated and there's a, a one-loss team that has their quarterback and is, is playing good football, like should they, should they get in? Should they have a little bit of juice from the eye test? And what I'm here to tell you is no, they should not. Because at the end of the day, that zero in the loss column is the trump card, the end-all be-all, the ace in the hole. Like there is nothing more that you can tell me if you're a power five conference champ and you win your conference that would keep me from bringing you into the college football playoff. Nothing, nothing more to say with that. Now, Washington at three, uh, same deal. Four ranked wins. Uh, they have a better resume, I think, than what people are giving them credit for. And I think their eye test, too, deserves a little bit of credit because there's something to be said for the way they're winning football games. And there's, I understand there's a drawback of, well, hey, they don't look great against Washington State, struggle with Arizona State. And I think there's one side of that where you say, yeah, you'd like to see a little bit better margin of victory. Totally true. 
On the other side of that, though, I'm saying you beat Oregon State at Oregon State by two points in the rain in, in a raucous environment. Like, I think the fact they're able to win multiple kinds of games is something I didn't think they could do. And if they beat Oregon this weekend, same thing I said with Florida State. They're in. And we're all pretty much on the same page there. They will be in if they beat Oregon for the second time. Two top 10 wins over the same team. Like, Washington has some juice now. Very much so control their own destiny. Three makes a lot of sense. Uh, Michigan at two. Two top 10 wins. The eye test pretty much confirms what we thought Michigan was. They are who we thought they were, to quote Dennis Green. I mean, I expect them to beat Iowa and expect them to be in the college football playoff. The thing with Michigan, though, nobody on that roster came back just to make the college football playoff, just to beat Ohio State, just to win the Big Ten. Like, we talk about the revenge tour that Michigan was on a couple of seasons ago. This is the redemption tour. Because all the talk around Michigan right now is, well, yeah, they made the playoff, but they haven't won a game there yet. This is the time now. All the external noise around what Jim Harbaugh was and Connor Stallions and the way the last couple of seasons went and if they'll get vacated or not, doesn't matter. None of that is a talking point right now. They're keeping it all internal. And if they end up winning the national championship, uh, I promise you this would be the sweetest season for them to do that because of all the external noise. Now, Georgia at one. I cannot wait for this Alabama game. I cannot wait to see them line it up against a hot Alabama team with a superhuman playing quarterback for them and Jalen Milrow. Four ranked wins for Georgia. They got the eye test going for them. The interesting thing about Georgia is there's some thought out there that, hey, if Georgia loses to Alabama, are they still in? I don't think they control their own destiny. I think at that point in time, you could very, very easily see Georgia end up outside the college football playoff for not being a conference champ and having that one loss. And you would say, well, J.D., if Georgia played, insert whatever one-loss conference champ here, would they not be favored? Would they not beat them? I, I, I would take Georgia over just about anybody right now in the country. That's how I feel about them. That's why we have them, number one, in our own siloed nothing-but-ball poll. Different than the college football playoff rankings, but we think Georgia's the best team in the country. And I think if you gave Georgia 10 games against anybody, they would win the majority of those games. But that's not the way the college football playoff works. So we'll see how things shake out. But uh, Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Yeah, Washington at three, Florida State at four, Oregon at five, Ohio State at six, Texas sitting there at seven. I would not be overly concerned if I'm Texas. Handle business. You've done, you've done your part. And we'll see what happens with the committee. But what I want to move on to here, as we do every single big picture Wednesday, is our own college football playoff scenarios. And when I say our own, I really mean our own, like all of us together, because a lot of y'all got at me on Twitter and shot me your most intriguing college football playoff scenarios for this upcoming Selection Sunday. And I want to break down a few of them. And it's funny, whenever we break down these scenarios, I always feel like I'm back in middle school doing long division. Like, I'm using, like, pages of notes. We, we have yet to do a segment on the college football playoff scenarios where we have only used one sheet of notes. So... Let's jump right into it. My man, Winged Helmet Wildcat, pretty cool username, uh, got at us with this scenario. He says, what if Iowa beats Michigan, Alabama beats Georgia, Oregon beats Washington, and Louisville beats Florida State? Now, he did not include this in his scenario, but I'm going to go ahead and include this for the sake of keeping this conversation kind of clean. I'm going to go ahead and assume that Texas beats Oklahoma State. Okay, so that would give us the following conference champions. You'd have a Big Ten multiple loss champ in Iowa. You would have an SEC one loss champ in Bama. You'd have a Pac-12 one loss champ in Oregon. You would have an ACC multiple loss champ in Louisville. 
and you would have a Big 12 one-loss champ in Texas. So I think we can kind of assume here safely, Bama's in, Oregon's in, Texas is in. Who gets that fourth spot? We'll go to the one-loss bank here and kind of look at what we got. We have three one-loss non-conference champions. You got Georgia, you got Michigan, you got Washington. So the first thing that my mind goes to is resume. How does the resume shake up? If we're freezing ranked wins, which I think the committee is, you have Georgia with four ranked wins. You have Michigan with two ranked wins, but they're both in the top 10. Two top 10 wins, one of those on the road at Penn State. Then you have Washington sitting there with four ranked wins, one of them being a top 10 win over Oregon. So the way that I'm looking at this thing, you probably give Michigan some extra juice with the two top 10 wins, but not as many ranked wins. Georgia and Washington have the same number of ranked wins. So the way that I'm looking at this, I think the resumes are pretty pretty similar. Like I don't see anything that jumps out to me there resume-wise where I'm like, yes, this team deserves to be in. So we go to my personal favorite and what I think deserves the most attention and how we do our nothing but ball pull. What happens with the eye test? And the eye test has told us, the committee has told us rather about the eye test that they like Georgia. Georgia's undefeated right now. Michigan's undefeated right now. I think the resumes right now are pretty comparable. We're assuming both teams lose. I think Georgia has the better loss, to be clear, over Michigan. I think Washington, their four ranked wins are great. But going back to the eye test again, Washington's undefeated. Georgia's undefeated. Georgia has a spot, two spots rather, ahead of Washington. So going back to the eye test, what the committee has told us, I think Georgia gets that fourth spot. Now, if we're going to talk about the eye test, I think there is also something to be said for how these teams look on conference championship weekend. Like if what, and I think it goes back to Georgia and Washington, to be clear. I mean, I think the loss that Michigan would take to a team outside the top 10 in Iowa would be too much. And also the number of ranked ones would be too much to allow them to get in. So I think it's between Georgia and Washington. And if Georgia just somehow shows up in Atlanta, and I don't know, man, like they, they wake up on the wrong side of the bed and they just somehow, some way, slip on the banana peel, and Alabama throttles them in Atlanta, which, again, we would be surprised by. We are not predicting. But Washington goes out there and loses by a field goal in overtime against Oregon. That would be a tricky scenario. Maybe that's the scenario where Washington finds their way in. But all things being equal, if that were to be the way it shook out, I would take Georgia as that fourth team. I test where the roster's built. Heck, whether we want to bake it in or not, whether we think it's going to happen or not, I think the committee would have to at least have a little bit of subconscious Georgia bump in there. Like, are we really leaving out the back-to-back -back national champs? Everyone, what is it now, 29 in a row, something crazy like that? Are we really leaving them out? That's, a, that's the way that I think they would approach it, and that's what I think would happen. Make sure you're subscribed if you're watching the show right now. We appreciate y'all so much. We appreciate y'all being dialed in. Uh, also, if you're watching live, go ahead and like the video. Thank you so much for that. Let's keep on moving. Scenario two now is from our guy, Jared Stidham. Now, I don't think this is Jared Stidham, not the former Baylor, or, uh, Baylor and Auburn quarterback, rather, but he got at us and said he's got Louisville over Florida State in the ACC title game. He's got Georgia, his words, not ours, mauling Bama. So mauling, to me, probably falls somewhere around the range of two scores. We'll say two touchdowns. Let's say for the sake of this conversation, Georgia beats Bama by 14. Okay, then he's got Oklahoma State beating Texas. This is where this is where chaos starts to go down, y'all. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that Oregon wins the Pac-12 based on what he gave us here in his top four. And Michigan wins the Big Ten again, based on his top four, because his top four has Michigan, Georgia, Oregon and Washington. Would that be the way it shakes out? 
I don't know. The committee gave us a little uh, little wink last night, I think, when they put Ohio State there in the top six. They love their resume, y'all. I'm just saying. So we go to the one-loss bank. And I, I say one-loss bank. Y'all remember in elementary school where it would be like a Mad Lib or it would be a crossword puzzle or whatever, and you would have like a little word bank. This is the same concept, but college football teams with one loss, the one-loss bank, just so we're all tracking there. And the one-loss bank, you would have... Washington, one-loss non-conference champ. You would have Florida State, a one-loss non-conference champ. That's it, right? Oh, wait a second. Uh, Ohio State, just chilling out, watched the games from home, probably you know had a workout or two in during the week just to kind of stay fresh and stay ready in case something were to happen just like this. With those three teams, going back to resume, I think they're pretty similar. We already talked about Washington and the four-ranked wins. Florida State... God bless them. That loss to Louisville, I think, would be would, would be detrimental to their college football playoff aspirations. And some of this is on Florida State for losing that game. Some of it's just like, hey, the ACC as a whole didn't really provide enough juice. So you got that top five win over LSU. You got a top 20 win over Duke. Where else are we looking? Ohio State's sitting there with two top 10 wins and their only loss coming to a top three team in the country on the road by one score. So we go to the eye test. And again, the Oregon, eye, the, the Oregon eye test, I think, would matter against Washington. If it's close and, and, you know, Washington loses by a field goal in that same scenario, maybe Washington gets in. The way that I feel about it, by nature of what Ohio State has already put on paper and the work they did early in the year, getting a top 10 win on the road and getting a top 10 win at home and the loss that they had, which was so close, I'm not so sure Ohio State wouldn't be that fourth team. I understand. They didn't even play for the conference championship, and I understand the way they looked against Michigan. I understand the concerns around some of the times that uh, Ohio State has looked pretty human. I, th- I think if, if Washington were to go out there and not cover the spread, and the committee's not looking at the spread, just so we're all clear, but let's just say that Oregon goes out there and, to use Jared Stidham's words, mauls Washington. Let's say they beat him by 14. Let's say they beat him by, you know, 20, if that happens, I think Ohio State would be that team that gets in. I think that would be a snapshot that would be tough for the committee to overcome. And I don't think you put a team that just got blown out into the college football playoff. So that's the way that I would look at that. And yeah, that that would be a little bit wild. That would be a little bit wild. That's how this segment always goes. Things just get weird when we talk about the college football playoff in these scenarios. Uh, Going back to that other scenario really quick, or the other part of that scenario really quick, Let's say Washington does lose close and they do find themselves in the college football playoff. Just to explore this for a second, if you had two Pac-12 teams in the college football playoff before they blew the conference up or were assuming they're going to blow the conference up, like that would just be college football poetry, would it not? Also, it would be a pretty good look for the Big Ten as they would have three of those four teams, more or less, with Oregon and Washington both headed to the Big Ten next season plus Michigan. So that would be wild. But uh, nonetheless, that's what we think would happen. Let's get to the last one here. College football playoff scenario number three. And this is a scenario that we've seen a couple of times here. So many of y'all send this to us. We appreciate that. Here is the, uh, the doomsday scenario, if you will. We'll put doomsday in quotes. Michigan is undefeated, win the Big Ten. So they do what they're supposed to do. They beat Iowa. Florida State, they beat Louisville. Okay, they're undefeated. They're in the college football playoff. Both those spots are locked up. Going back to that one-loss bank. Now, the difference with this one-loss bank is all three of these teams are conference champions. So, chalk holds in the teams that are favored. 
they get it done. So Oregon, they beat Washington, one lost conference champ from the Pac-12. Texas, they beat Oklahoma State, one lost conference champ from the Big 12. Then Alabama, well, I guess I shouldn't have said the favorite. Alabama, the underdog in the SEC title game, they beat Georgia. So you have a one-loss SEC champ. What do we do now? We go to the resumes. We go to the resumes. We take a look. Oregon would have three top 20 wins. A nice little win over number three, Washington. Texas would have three ranked wins. And oh, by the way, the best win in the regular season in the entire country over a team they're up against in Alabama on the road, double digits in Tuscaloosa. Drop the mic. Like, you got to feel pretty good about your chances if you're Texas here, right? Well, Alabama, they have three top 20 wins plus the best win the entirety of the college football season beating the number one ranked team in the country in Georgia. So what I think would happen versus what I think should happen, I want to make this clear. I think that's where we have a little fork in the road. If the nothing but ball pull, we're putting this together. Here's what I think should happen. I think it should go to the eye test versus Oregon and Texas because I don't think you can leave Bama out based on their win over Georgia and kind of having that snapshot for the entire committee to see. Also, there's something to be said for just playing your best ball when it matters. And Alabama has been playing their best ball outside of the weirdness that is the Iron Bowl the last few weeks. Okay, now again, the Iron Bowl, we kind of put that in a separate pile based on the rivalry aspect of it, based on it being at Jordan-Hare, all that. Okay, but if you beat Georgia, I don't have any questions about Alabama being a top four team in the country. Now I go back to the eye test between Oregon and Texas because I think Oregon throttling the number three team in the country should hold some weight. And Texas, depending on how they look against Oklahoma State, I think that should matter. Like, if, if Texas walks it off against a 9-3 and three Oklahoma State team by a field goal, and Oregon, again, like I said, blows past a top three team in Washington, you know, like, do we need to overthink this too much with the resume? This is why we lean on the eye test with the nothing but ball pull. I think if Oregon and Texas played tomorrow, I think Oregon would win. That's not me hating on Texas. That's not me hating on Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. I think what they've done has been tremendous. I think they'll be, be great in the SEC when that time comes. But I think Oregon, avenging their only loss of the season too, it'd be hard for me to keep them out. Because in, in my mind, they've kind of taken care of that one loss, and I would put them in the undefeated category. So that's what I think should happen. That's what we would do. Now, unfortunately, we are not a part of the committee. So what would happen? I think Texas is in, and I think... Bama is in because both of those wins should hold some weight and they do hold some weight and as good as Oregon has been to this point in the season as much as the committee is telling us hey we love Oregon we love the eye test I think Texas handling business and their win over Bama boosts them and I think Bama beating Georgia would boost them so is it fair is it what we agree with I would again I would stand on the table and say Oregon needs to be in the college football playoff but again, I think the committee would put Texas in and put Bama in. Now, what I hope happens is we get to have this conversation on Sunday morning before the rankings come out, and we get to do like a college football rankings prediction because we'll have more data then on the eye test. What I think will happen is this will play itself out. I think we'll feel pretty much all, uh, all in lockstep by the time these rankings come out, and we'll have a good gauge for these top four, much like it has been every single year. But regardless... We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll give you our thoughts when these rankings do drop, and we'll, uh, we'll have a good time as we keep on rolling now. So as we keep on rolling now, make sure you like the video. Appreciate everybody that's dialed in live. Got a lot of y'all. Great to see on this big picture Wednesday. Hey, also, it's uh, Apple Music replay season. It's Spotify rap season. If we are in your 
top three, I suppose, of podcasts, let us know. We just love seeing that. We love seeing who's dialed in with us, and we love getting a, a good gauge for our audience and love to know who's a part of our audience. So we appreciate y'all for that, and we appreciate y'all being a part of this whole operation. Hey, uh, JD. Yes, sir. Uh, breaking news? Hit me with it, brother. I love it. We got a little Nick breaking news. Yeah. I'm going to start our breaking news uh, music bed and everything because as the people uh, can see in the lower third, KJ Jefferson has entered the transfer portal. Wow. What do you think? Hey, one, appreciate that. Breaking news? That's, we got to get a segment here. Nick with Break. Nick Breaking News. That's good stuff. Okay, so KJ Jefferson entering the transfer portal. This is curious. Not so much that he did it, but the timing of it. Because you would think with KJ Jefferson's skill set and what Bobby Petrino is going to bring to this offense, it would play right into what he does. Because Bobby Petrino, power, power spread kind of offense, power run schemes, throw the ball well. They scored 34 points a game last year at Texas A&M. You would have thought maybe this was the reason to keep him. This isn't overwhelmingly surprising to me that he's in the portal. Because KJ Jefferson, as good as he's been at Arkansas, I think he probably wants to, not probably, I, I would imagine he wants to play in the NFL, period, Mike drop the end. And for KJ Jefferson to do that, I think he probably needs to put something on tape for the NFL scouts that he can play in a pro-style offense to kind of boost his draft stock. So KJ Jefferson, what he's done since he's been at Arkansas, I think the resume that he's put together speaks for itself. Um, one of my favorite players to watch in college football. I'm curious to see where he ends up at, though. I mean, we got a couple of quarterbacks here we'll talk about when it comes to the guys that are already in the portal as well. But fit, I think, is just so crucial whenever you see these quarterbacks hit the portal and look for greener pastures. Because how often have we seen guys be, you know, pretty average at different spots and then go to a new spot and be with a different offense and be with a different coordinator, different weapons? And that just make the entire difference for them. Like Jaden Daniels, I think he should win the Heisman Trophy this year. He was good at Arizona State, but he's lighting it up at LSU to a degree we have not seen. Some of that's probably experience. I think a lot of that is Mike Denbrock and the way they've developed him and brought him along. Bo Nix, another great example. Now, being at Oregon when he was at Auburn, he was good. I mean, you saw a lot of good Bo, saw a lot of bad Bo. Again, you probably go back to experience and development being a thing for him, playing more games and just getting better overall. But also, I think location matters. I think your surroundings matter. I think being able to not have the, the, the weight of the world on your shoulders at different schools. And that's why I, I love Tyler Van Dyke hitting the portal. I hope he does well. But KJ Jefferson at Arkansas, I'm wondering if it is a pro-style thing for him, if he wants to go and uh, put some more on tape for the scouts. But KJ Jefferson hitting the portal, good for him. I think fit makes all the difference in the world. His skill set is undeniable. And uh, I'm excited to see where he ends up at because someone's going to get a, a baller in KJ Jefferson. Believe you me. That's good stuff right there, Nick. Appreciate you jumping on, brother, and, and crushing it with that. That's good stuff. No worries. Breaking news. Breaking. I, I thought I saw out of the corner of my eye you pull the mic towards yourself. And so I thought maybe this was going to happen. I thought maybe there was going to be a little bit of breaking news. But uh, yeah. there you go, man. There you go. There's going to be a lot of people that want his services. Uh, what do you say, <laughs> what do you say we, we clip that one and we'll just move on to this next portal segment? Does that sound good? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. How about that? Little uh, little on-air logistics from the man, Big Break, making it happen. All right, so we're going to keep on rolling here. And uh, as you know, evidence of what just happened live on the air with KJ Jefferson deciding he wants to look somewhere else to play the rest of his college eligibility out, uh, we got a couple of quarterbacks as well as one dynamic offensive weapon that have all entered the transfer portal. So as of right now, the portal will open, I believe, 
this upcoming Monday after the conference championship games. You're seeing a lot of intends to enter. You're seeing a lot of plans to enter. The names that we're about to go through here have already entered by nature of them being a graduate transfer and by nature of some of these guys being able to have their... Uh, so I'll, I'll rephrase that. If your head coach is fired, you can also enter the transfer portal. But bottom line, a couple of quarterbacks here that are going to be a hot commodity. And like I just said a second ago, fit makes all the difference in the world. Your system makes all the difference in the world for these college quarterbacks. You'll see guys be good somewhere, then be elite another place. Bo Nix being one, Jaden Daniels being one. There's a lot that has to go your way to be successful at the quarterback position. But Will Howard, man, quarterback at Kansas State, he has, he has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he is open, it sounds like, to declaring for the NFL draft. Whenever you think about Kansas State quarterbacks, you kind of think of like what Colin Klein was there. Now he's the OC at Kansas State, but what he was when he played there, you think of design quarterback runs. You think of an offense that's not necessarily the most pro style. There is nothing gimmicky about Will Howard. His resume, I think, should hold a lot of weight and should speak for itself. I mean, he, I believe he started 27 of 33 games at Kansas State, played a lot of football, played a lot of football early. Uh, he's a real deal pocket passer. Pete Nakos of On3 is reporting some potential landing spots that could be interested in a guy like Will Howard. Auburn, Kentucky, Louisville, Missouri, Washington. Got a Big 12 title to his name as well. Does Will Howard, so he's a winner. Going back to those suitors, though, I would, I would personally love to see Will Howard stay in that purple uniform and head his way on out to the West Coast. Because I think Will Howard has a little bit more in the tank as a passer than what we've been able to see in that Kansas State offense. Kansas State, they've been really successful offensively, but it's been pretty much a run-heavy operation. It's been a, you know, let's let's use the, the quarterback design run. Let's have a couple of things that are more specific to the college offense. And I'm not saying Washington is more of a pro-style offense, but you see what Michael Penix Jr. is doing at Washington. He is lighting it up. It's a wide-open offense. It's a quarterback-friendly offense. And I think it would showcase a lot of what Will Howard has from an ability standpoint. So keep an eye on Will Howard. He's going to make somebody happy. And, uh, yeah, dude's a baller. Just keep an eye on Will Howard from Kansas State. He is in the portal. Will Rogers has entered the portal from Mississippi State. I mean, speaking of resumes, I don't know if there's one much better in the transfer portal than Will Rogers. Second all-time in yards in the SEC behind Aaron Murray. Fourth all-time in touchdowns in SEC history. The way this feels to me, by nature of what he's played in for the majority of his career at Mississippi State, the air raid offense, the spread you out, I think people know he can throw the football. I think the question mark would be, if I'm trying to draft a Will Rogers, would be can he play in a pro-style offense? To me, him going to Kentucky and going and playing for a guy like Liam Cohen. Kentucky also, worth noting, they've started a transfer portal quarterback the last couple of years. Will Levis from Penn State. Devin Leary this last year from NC State. Will Rogers jumping in there, being the next guy, and being able to show scouts what he has would make a lot of sense to me. And the reason why I mentioned the, the pro-style system in the NFL draft, like a lot of these guys that jump in the portal, some of it's for playing time. Some of it's they want to showcase abilities they haven't got to showcase yet at, a, at their previous school. I think for a lot of them, it's trying to help their NFL draft stock for one more year before they go. And if I'm drafting Will Rogers, my one question is, well, is he a system quarterback? Yes, he put up great numbers, but is he a product of the Mike Leach air raid? Or can Will Rogers really spin it when we ask him to go under center and play with a tight end consistently and get us in, in and out of different checks? Like, I'm curious to see that. So I don't question it personally, but if I'm an NFL scout, I think you'd like to see that. I think it could help Will Rogers overall. Now, this is one that is, uh, we saw coming, really interesting to me. Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. 
Tyler Van Dyke and his time in Coral Gables, dude, he started out hot. Like ACC Rookie of the Year in 2021. Coming into the season, we were talking about in 2022 if he might be a guy that, you know, is a first-round pick after that season and what he could accomplish. And, like, to me, I think just a chain of change of scenery is needed for a guy like Tyler Van Dyke. Um, he could play some football now. We've seen him play football. We've seen him have struggles these last two years. And I think the struggles you can point pretty directly to the different coordinators he's had over that period of time. Like when he was playing in the up-tempo, Rhett Lashley, spread you out, throw the ball around the yard kind of offense, he was crushing it. And he got into a position where he didn't have a lot of help on the offensive line last year. And then he didn't have necessarily a ton of game breakers at wide receiver last year and really this year, to be honest. I think Tyler Van Dyke's kind of been hamstrung by what's been around him. And it's difficult to have to learn three different systems in three years. Like it's just... It's like having, I mean, what you go from in year one to year two of, of an offense, you go from knowing what to do to then being able to instinctually execute what's asked of you. And Tyler Van Dyke has to keep going back to square one every single year. So I think being able to get out of Coral Gables where he hasn't necessarily, I'm guessing, been the most popular by nature of the way he's performed the last couple of years, similar to Bo Nix, like just get out of that kind of bad vibe situation. Wasn't great for either party for whatever reason. Let's go somewhere else. Let's reinvent ourselves. Let's, let's kind of take all the pressure off our shoulders. And let's go ball. We've seen him do it. I, I still maintain that I think Tyler Van Dyke can play quarterback at a really elite level should he be in the right position to succeed. I'm excited to watch what he does. I mean, I think when you look at potential fits for him, uh, he's from Connecticut, and I, I could see him going back to the Northeast and, and being in the Midwest around like Big Ten country. Um I mean, you would imagine UConn, Jim Mora would probably want to have a guy like Tyler Van Dyke as his quarterback. We'll see what happens with him. But I maintain, I think Tyler Van Dyke can play the quarterback position at a high level given the right position. Now, let's move on to a non-quarterback here. And that's a wide receiver, Chris Tyree, grad transferring from Notre Dame. Chris Tyree is fascinating because he came to Notre Dame as a pretty highly recruited running back and was successful as a running back. They asked him to move to wide receiver this past offseason, or he made the pivot rather to wide receiver this past offseason, all he did was lead the team in yards receiving. First time playing the position. And so now him jumping into the transfer portal, I think someone's going to get a weapon. Like, the, it's funny talking about like, where does someone like Chris Tyree fit and who could be the right school for him? Everybody needs a Chris Tyree. Like, skill players like Chris Tyree that can play running back for you, play wide receiver for you, return punts for you. He had an 80-plus yard uh, touchdown return on a punt this year. It's like butter. You just, you always want more of it. There, there's no such thing as too much butter on your dish. There's no such thing as too much skill on your roster with someone like a Swiss Army Knife that is Chris Tyree. Now, he's from the DMV area. If he were trying to help his NFL draft stock and play wide receiver, Maryland is a pretty wide open offense. You would imagine that could be a fit for him, get back closer to home. So Maryland is sort of just one off the top of my head that would make sense. But Chris Tyree, again, he is going to be someone that is uh, very highly sought after when it comes to the transfer portal. Now there's one more, uh, not so much individual, but topic I want to address when it comes to the portal. And you're seeing a lot of these guys from the Ivy League jump into the portal and just blow up with offers. And the reason why you're seeing these guys jump out of their current situation is because in the Ivy League, you cannot play as a grad student. Like the first thought when you see these guys transfer is, why is he transferring from Yale? Why is he transferring from, from Penn? Well, they can't play there another year unless they want to unenroll, take a semester off, 
figure out something to do for six months while all their other classmates graduate, then come back and play another year. Also worth noting, the Ivy League doesn't do scholarships. So you're having to fund your own six months. You're having to come back and not be on scholarship and then play another season of FCS football. I would much rather, and I did this actually. I mean, I actually graduated on time and then said, I want to go play somewhere else. Let's go figure it out and let's go walk on somewhere. These guys are getting scholarship offers. Uh, Joey Slackman had 17 offers in one day. He is a defensive lineman at Penn or was at Penn. Uh, Thor Griffin, Th Thor Griffith rather, uh, was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's a defensive tackle from Harvard. The thing with these guys that makes them such a hot commodity, especially on the line of scrimmage, is one, they are a proven commodity. Like you have 40 games of tape on them, given the fact that you have a 10-game season for four years. So we're assuming around 40 games of tape. Also, there's no baggage. Like the question you would ask, I think more often than not, if you're on staff and you're trying to evaluate portal personnel, is, well, why are they transferring? What's the reason? Did they have a falling out with a coach? Was there something why they weren't a fit? Were they a locker room problem? Like, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I think it's a question you have to ask. The answer for these guys in the Ivy League is pretty straightforward. Hey, they couldn't play another year where they wanted to without inconveniencing themselves. They're good enough to play somewhere else. Let's go. Like Hunter Norzad from Cornell is a great example. Had the COVID year behind him. So he had two years of eligibility. I guess it was, I guess it was on three, two or three, multiple years of eligibility. Playing on the line of scrimmage, was an All-American at Cornell. Penn State says, hey, come play for us. And he was a plug-and-play guy pretty quickly for them and started on the offensive line for them this past season. You know what you're getting. They've been developed. You don't have to guess with what they're going to be for you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing with their situation. It's nothing with, are, were they a problem? It's like, no, they just can't play as grad students. So just something to make sure we're all on the same page. When that portal opens up on Monday, we will have a full, I guess, transfer portal show for you right here on this channel myself andy staples chopping it up talking about the guys that are already in talking about the guys that might jump in talking about you know who needs what it'll be a full-on transfer portal college football college football's version of black friday more or less uh breakdown for you so make sure you're dialed in here it'll be a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to doing that for you guys here again that's monday morning make sure you're dialed in all right heard heard the uh heard the mic moving this is crazy. What's going on? So I previously reported that KJ Jefferson was going to enter the transfer portal as published by on three and uh, other sites. So then we follow up a couple minutes later on KJ's Instagram story. He says, quote, I haven't made a decision yet. Whoa. So the question now is like, is this, what, what, is he doing it? You know, is this trying to just keep it where he can make his decision himself or what? Interesting. Okay, well, there you go. I don't know, JD, but I apologize. Um, but yeah, that that's a no. Interesting. That's good. That's, that's that's good. That's a helpful intel to know. I'm also seeing Nick. I'm just kind of perusing the Twitter sphere here. Max South Brown? Carolina being thrown around a lot for KJ Jefferson. For, for yeah. Oh oh yeah yeah. Uh, so I've been thing. seeing those targets already too. I mean, I think he's going to transfer, but he says he hasn't made a decision officially yet. That's curious. Yeah. Um, but we've got another one. We've got another one. Um, Hayes Fawcett just tweeted that Max Brown, quarterback, backup quarterback for Florida, plans to enter the portal as well. Whoa, um, he's okay. got three years of eligibility left. He's got three years. So that, to me, tells me they must feel pretty good about Graham Mertz coming back for another year if Max Brown is staying at Florida. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I want to go back to KJ Jefferson really quick. Yeah. Uh, him saying he hasn't decided yet. I'm with you, Nick. Like Where there's smoke, there's fire. It's interesting that he put on his story that he hadn't made a decision yet. So that, to me, just goes back to, hey, Bobby Petrino, 
Can we make something happen here? Can we can we sit down, get in the room with KJ Jefferson and say, hey, here's how we're going to use you. If you want to go and play in the NFL, we're going to make sure we showcase that part of your skill set. Stay here one more year. You're already comfortable here. You know, I think that would make a lot of sense if he did stay. But the South Carolina fits, again, just peruse in the Twitter sphere. Nothing confirmed, nothing, you know, solid. Just if he were to end up at South Carolina, uh, that would make sense when it comes to his desire to potentially, you know, play some NFL football, being a pro-style system with Dow Loggins. I think Spencer Rattler and what he put on tape this year is proof of concept. So we'll see what happens there, Nick. But that is uh, that is fascinating. That is fascinating stuff. I appreciate you jumping on here, bro, and breaking it down. That's uh, as as the portal turns right now. We got a lot going on. A hey, lot yeah, going on. This man. is a good time to plug our portal show uh, as well, JD. We're Absolutely, doing man. this for a few hours in a week or so. Hey, Monday morning. We're giving you just a little appetizer of what it's going to look like. Whole entree coming for you. Myself, Andy Staples, right here on the desk, chopping it up. Guys from uh, our tremendous fan site network we have across on three, talking about needs, talking about potential fits. Like, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun on this portal show, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I really I think college football Black Friday is just the most reasonable comp to me when it comes to what this portal madness is. It really is just like a free-for-all, and you see a bunch of names that we didn't expect to jump in. Jump in. KJ Jefferson kind of is one of those names, I guess, you could see jumping in. Uh, the Max Brown jumping in is a little bit surprising, personally. I thought maybe he would uh, stick around a little bit, but I guess you got DJ Lagway coming in. Interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. As always, make sure you're subscribed. Also, really important to be following on three on the socials, from the main account to Pete Nakos to Hayes Fawcett. The entire team here at On3 is going to keep you as dialed in as possible to the transfer portal. Nobody else in the industry is covering the portal like our people at On3 are. So make sure you're, uh, you're plugged in there with all of the socials. Also, last plug, the transfer portal Instagram account that we have for On3. Go check that out. Give that a follow. That'll keep you wired in to all things portal. All right. You know what? Let's. Uh, this is probably... I was, I was going to talk about A&M, but this probably feels like a a natural time talking about KJ Jefferson, maybe or maybe not jumping in the portal to talk about what's going on with uh, Bobby Petrino. What do you say, Nick? Yeah. A little bit of a little bit of that up. That sounds good to me. All right. Oops. Let's keep on rolling here. Just making sure we're, uh, we're staying up to date with all things around this. So we don't somehow date this segment here, Nick. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Bobby Petrino is set to, to return to Arkansas to be the offensive coordinator. Now, only college football would this happen. Only in college football could a storyline like this that belongs in a reality TV show come to life. So if you're wondering why this is so surprising and why this is getting so much buzz, and maybe you're seeing some tweets with a picture of Bobby Petrino wearing a neck brace at a press conference already in Arkansas gear. So if you're just now joining, you're like, what is going on? Why is it even a story? To give you the synopsis, Bobby Petrino was at one point in time the head coach at Arkansas. Pretty successful head coach at Arkansas, actually. To give you the, the headline, he was dishonest and immoral in some of his things he did at Arkansas. Uh, had an affair with someone on, on staff, uh, got someone a, a job that was his mistress or was trying to get a, someone a job that was a mistress going past you know different guidelines you would have to go through to get an individual a job um obviously a conflict of interest there was dishonest about the relationship as as a whole with the university so all that's to say bobby petrino and arkansas had a bad breakup when he was previously the head coach now 
Sam Pittman is like, hey, I need an OC. Scored 24 points a game last year. And who do they go to? But a one Bobby Petrino. I think there's a couple of things we got to say here. First of all, would I personally, if I were in control, hire Bobby Petrino to be my offensive coordinator at a place where there's already some negative history? No, I would not. One, because I, just from the outside looking in, if there's a track record of dishonesty there, I would feel uncomfortable hiring them in a position of power on my football team. So that's first. Second of all, uh, I don't know that this is a good idea just based on the distraction that it brings to Arkansas. Like the fact that we're talking so much about what he was at Arkansas several years ago and we're seeing the memes come up of him in a neck brace, like that's a distraction for your football team. That takes away from the ultimate goal. No matter how big it is or how small it is, the distraction itself is a distraction. And it keeps us from our ultimate goal of winning football games. So that's where I sit. But the major caveat here is that I'm not making this higher. Sam Pittman is. And the things that the public and myself feel uncomfortable about with Bobby Petrino, we don't get to have any more information on. We just have our thought on it from the headline and from what we hear, and we just say, okay, that's our opinion. Sam Pittman gets to actually sit down man-to-man with Bobby Petrino, have a conversation. I would imagine they unpack some of his mistakes when he was previously at Arkansas and have a conversation of like, hey, where do we go from here? He gets to look this man in the eye and make his own decision based on information that nobody else has from the outside looking in. And so in that situation, I think I'm a little bit more understanding of Sam Pittman making this move. Not that I agree with it, not that I would do it myself, but I think I understand. And the, the thing I would also say is he's not hiring to be the head coach. You know, like Sam Pittman isn't, isn't trading jobs with Bobby Petrino and saying, okay, now you're going to be the face of this whole operation. Reason why that's important, your offensive coordinator is much less front-facing than your head coach. Bobby Petrino being the head coach, I would probably have a major issue with him being the offensive coordinator. If Sam Pittman feels good about it, he's betting his job on it. To be clear, Sam Pittman, there was so much buzz around him being fired and not coming back. He understands now. He doesn't have like this huge runway to work with. You would imagine he's got one year, maybe less than that if they don't start out hot. He is betting his job on Bobby Petrino. Make no mistake about it. But like I said, the distraction of, of as a whole with Bobby Petrino, I think you can manage it. Because it'll kind of be like a, a back-of-house chef. I did hotel administration in college. That was my major. Talk a lot about back-of-house versus front-of-house. You don't really see the back-of-house. The chef is in the kitchen. Bobby Petrino is going to be in the box calling the game. So you'll see a couple of shots to him during the game, I'm sure, on the broadcast. But like if you go to a game, you're not seeing Bobby Petrino. You're not seeing Bobby Petrino being the face of Arkansas football. You're going to see the product. You're going to probably see his name on different things from, you know, your um, program you get when you walk in, and you'll know that he's the OC. You'll know he's the chef. You'll know he's back there. You'll consume the product that is his offense. You'll consume the product that is what the chef makes you. But outside of that, like, he will sort of be in the back of your mind. Like, he'll be an afterthought whenever you score a touchdown. You might, after the game, come back and say, wow, that was a really good call by Bobby Petrino. Hey, that was a, that was a great game plan he called, or the opposite of that. But as a whole, like, it's not a thing where he's just going to be in your face on the sideline every single weekend and you have to live with the reality and live with the memory that keeps coming up of him in a neck brace and what happened with him previously at Arkansas. So all that's to say, man, like, the things, again, that concern people, the things that I would not hire Bobby Petrino for, Sam Pittman actually gets to dig into and do some research on. And I think that's worth talking about. Again, I want to make sure we leave with this. Sam Pittman is betting his job on Bobby Petrino. 
if he feels good about it, and I imagine there's going to be a short leash here, probably, probably a close eye, you would imagine, from Sam Pittman or the powers that be at Arkansas. If he feels good about it, all right, let's, uh, let's roll the dice and let's see what happens. But only in college football could that be a reality and could that be a story we talk about today with Bobby Petrino coming back and being an offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Also, shout out to the graphics team. Uh, definitely could have gone a different way and used the neck brace photo for that lower third here. Some tremendous self-control, some tremendous restraint being shown by this entire organization. So we appreciate that. Let's keep on rolling here. Uh, let's talk about Texas A&M because there is a, a clip circulating on Twitter of an individual on a television broadcast given his take on the Mike Elko hire and given his take on Texas A&M football as a whole. Now, I don't want to attack the individual. I want us to unpack the statement because the statement, I think, is not specific to him. I think a lot of people probably feel this same way when they talk about A&M. And to give you the overview and, and the broad strokes of what he said, it was, hey, Mike Elko is now the head coach at A&M. Good for Mike Elko. Good for A&M. However, during his press conference, the issue that this individual has with Mike Elko is that he said the best version of A&M wins national championships. And what this individual said was that doesn't make any sense because A&M hasn't really been good in a long time. A&M hasn't really been successful. So why are they feeling like they, like they should just win national titles all of a sudden? Why do they believe that their team should be elite if they haven't been elite previously? Now, we saw this, knew it was malarkey from the beginning. A lot of people went after this whole statement. Again, I don't want to attack the individual. I want to I kind of unpack the statement as a whole. The problem that I have with this is there is a difference between expectation and entitlement. Entitlement is we deserve something because of who we are. We deserve something because of our brand. We deserve something because of the 12th man. We deserve something because we're in the state of Texas. Expectation is, well, hey, there's the focus on the process. There's a certain things in place from an equation standpoint. And based on the equation, if that looks right, the results should be right. And I think AM fans fall much closer to the expectation side of things. We, we talk about it a lot. Resources, recruiting, all those things. You have those in place, you have a chance to be successful. Okay, AM, they have three top 10 classes on campus. I understand the portal has impacted AM. Still, three top 10 classes. Plus, the resources that are relatively unmatched across the college football landscape, or at least their, T, their tier one resources. Both those are in place, and you're sitting here and saying, well, why did we go seven and five this season? And the problem I have with this statement is we're saying, okay, just because good things haven't really happened or haven't happened in a while, therefore, you should not expect good things to happen. What are we doing here? What are we talking about? If you have the right equation, it's fair to expect the right product. And also, going back to that thought of, well, if good things haven't really happened in a while, they shouldn't happen at all, what are you saying to Clemson? What are you saying to Dabo Sweeney? Clemson hadn't won anything since like the 80s, since 88. And then Dabo comes in there, goes to the equation, gets the right talent, has the right leadership in place. They win a couple of natties. Like, the thought that good things haven't happened, therefore they won't happen, therefore you shouldn't expect them to happen, and having an issue with that, I think that's a bunch of just... I think that's a bunch of bull junk, to quote Coach Prime. Now, the other issue I have with this statement is we're acting like a place is cursed, like leadership doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying here? Like, what makes a team successful, what makes a college football program successful is the people involved, 
from the players to support staff, strength conditioning, ultimately the head coach. Why can't we expect something from Mike Elko based on what he's done over the course of his career? He did more with less at Duke. Why can't we expect him to do more with more at Texas A&M? A&M as a place isn't cursed. They haven't had the right people, right? If you were to throw, you know, Trevor Lawrence on that roster a couple of years ago, probably would have more success. Okay, like it just, it, it comes down to the people. It has nothing to do with A&M. A&M is trying to get the right things in place to be successful. And right now they feel like they do have good things in place. So why can't they expect good things to happen? I think it's a very flyover perspective, very much so a thing that like made sense in the moment to say, and so it was said. But again, going back to the sentiment itself, A&M has got the equation in place. They're tinkering with it now to get the right leadership in place to take advantage of those resources, take advantage of that roster. Okay, you, you can expect good things to happen when you have the right things behind closed door in place. Now, if A&M just had no talent and they had no resources and they're saying, well, why aren't we winning 10 games a season? Well, yeah, then that's entitlement. A&M is not entitled. They're expectant. Very different things. And in that way, I think it's very fair for A&M to expect some good things to happen here sooner rather than later. Now, it'll have to be a thing where Mike Elko does install the right culture. It'll have to be a thing where they do continue to recruit at an elite level. And I'm excited to see it because, again, I think he's the right fit. I think he gets A&M. And I think if you're A&M, you can and should expect good things to happen. Also, I want to make sure we say this. Vegas is pretty high on A&M, too. I believe their win total was somewhere around eight and a half games, nine and a half games when it came out in Vegas. Uh, so it's not just A&M setting that line and saying this is where we should be. That's Vegas saying based on talent, based on schedule, based on roster, based on staff, like this is where we expect y'all to be. Didn't have the right leadership in place. A&M felt that way. They made a pivot. Good for them for pivoting again. So we'll see what happens here. I'm excited to watch that, but the sentiment that A&M shouldn't expect good things to happen because they haven't happened, very much so a, a, a flyover thought there. I'm not attacking the individual that said that. I'm saying the statement itself we disagree with and we think the logic isn't sound. So appreciate everybody dialed in. Hey, make sure you like the video. If you could like the video and get us over 100 likes, we'd appreciate that tremendously. We're right around... Uh, 20 away. So if everyone liked the video, we'd be well past that. Thank you so much. Got one ad read, and then I want to get to y'all's questions, okay? The best part of this show, the interaction back and forth, and uh, we'll get after it here in just a few short minutes. First and foremost, though, happy to tell y'all that the hard count is brought to y'all by our friends at Game Time. Now, a couple of years ago, I was in a position where we are wanting to go to a conference championship game, okay? Big 12 title game, and there's student tickets out. And the student tickets, man, it was, it was a difficult ticket to get because everyone and their mama is in the queue trying to grab these tickets. And I'll tell you what, we were in there 30 minutes before it even opened, left without a ticket. And like, I'll tell you what, there was, uh, there was some panic in the house across myself and my roommates. If I had game time, there would have been zero worries. Game time is obsessed with helping you save money. Best tickets, best prices guaranteed is how game time operates. If you find a ticket in the same row or section for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Now, college football is, is where we utilize this the most, but if you want to use it to get to a comedy show, to a concert, other sporting events, no judgment, game time also the best vehicle to allow you to get that done. So here's what I want to make sure we do. This is the most important part of this. Download the game time app and get tickets without all the stress. You can wait right up to the day of the event. 
two taps, get the tickets, and you're set. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, that's HARDCOUNT, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right. So the portal keeps on giving us madness. We got a lot we're unpacking here across this show. Nick jumping in here doing the breaking news. That's B-A-R-A-K-E-I-N-G, breaking news, given Nick Brake's last name. Uh, Nick, what's going on, baby? What we got going on in the chat? Anything else that we got to jump in here and unpack, like uh, anything breaking right now? Not that I know of. That's good. Okay. Not that I know of. That's good news. Um, But we do have some questions to get to, so how about we do that? Let's do it, baby. I love it. AAA. If Indiana can't get any big names like Ryan, uh, excuse me, this is hard to say. Ryan Ryan Grubb. Yep. I can never say that. Or Jeff Trailer. Should they look at Chuck Martin, the head coach of Miami, or Spencer Nowinski? So defensive coordinator of Ohio. Those are kind of deep hires. JD, just what do you think Indiana can get? First and foremost, and then if they can't get these big names, who do you sh- think they should look at? I think you should. I think you should swing big if you're Indiana, because a Big Ten job, yes, it's Indiana, but like there is a with the conference realignment deal going on, like the tectonic plate shifting, uh, that's going to be an attractive job. And I know with the brand of Indiana doesn't sound quite as you know attractive as a, as an Ohio State or a Michigan, but I'm just saying, if you get the right guy there, and you're able to recruit outside of the state, I mean, some good things could happen. So. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on there in Indiana, but I think Ryan Grubbs, if he wanted to take a head coaching job, be a great spot. I mean, just throwing names out there. Um, I think it's a matter of time before Brian Hartline gets a head coaching job. I don't know if it's this cycle, uh, just purely because I don't know if he wants to take it this cycle, but like Brian Hartline, kind of similar to where Glenn Schumann is right now, where Kirby Smart was at one point in time. I think it, he, he'll be able to pick the head coaching job he wants whenever it becomes available just by nature of what he's doing at Ohio State. So we'll see, man. We, yep. We'll see. But they, we'll they can swing out. big is the bottom line there. I like Grubbs a lot if he wanted to take it. He was there before previously as the OC. So that would make sense. Have you been to Bloomington before? I've been to Bloomington. Isn't it gorgeous? Dude, it's an like awesome it. campus. It's a really good college town. Assembly Hall, too. I mean, yeah. it's oh, an yeah. elite basketball arena. Really cool. You can win at Indiana. I know it's hard oh, because of the Ohio State and the yeah. Michigans and the conference, but like, you could win there. It's a good program. I I think I really wish it would be a good like a top tier program. It'd be awesome. Blades and fists, you know the who who who's yeah. yours? You know, yep. that's I awesome. don't know if I did that right, but that's what they. Do. I don't know either. I can't tell. Yeah, um, it's sick though. But yeah, it's a good place. Very cool. Um, JD, a couple of questions. A couple of different people are asking about Cam Ward. Uh, Forceful and White Boy Magic both said, "What's your opinion on Cam Ward entering the portal?" Uh, Forceful says, as reported on Sports Illustrated, he has, um, oh my gosh, I saw 10 that. seven-figured NIL deals. I saw that. I don't. Is I that, never know what to make of these reports, Nick. Because where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think this is just being made up. I think that a lot of people probably would like Cam Ward on their football team. You would have to imagine, given common sense and given the reality that tampering is a real thing, uh, probably getting some phone calls to jump in the portal. Now, who's doing that? I don't know. Uh, if he does jump in the portal, though, he will be the hottest commodity. Like, we talk about Black Friday, Nick. You see those those horrible Black Friday videos of people getting in fights in the parking lot and people just wrestling over plasma screen TVs. Cam Ward would be the plasma screen TV that the entire college football world that needs a quarterback would be fighting over. It would, it would get serious. It would feel a lot like... Uh, 
it would feel a lot like Sam Hartman last year, even though we kind of knew he was already going to go to Notre Dame. That was kind of the buzz that was reported before he even jumped in the portal. Um, yeah, man, I think I think that's one to watch for sure. We'll see. That's another reason to be dialed into this show. Hey, Monday morning, right here on the hard, or not on the hard count, rather, right here on this platform, myself and Andy Staples, hard count, Andy Staples on three, just getting together and chopping it up when it comes to everything portal. Uh, big reason to be tuned in because you never know who's going to jump in. And Cam Ward, uh, with with that kind of buzz on the Twitter sphere, you just you wonder if there's smoke, there's fire, Nick. You know, absolutely. Uh, Hard Knock Gospel asked if we're brothers. We are not brothers biologically, I suppose. But yeah, we could be brothers in a different way. We're um, like, we're studio bros. We're on three bros. On three bros. Absolutely. I mean, heck, we we shared a hotel room. We in did. Los yeah, Angeles at the, at the national championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's hey. So we aren't technically Hard Knocks gospel uh this question from og gary thoughts on the pending implosion of oregon state yeah man it's so sad and the writing was really on the wall when jonathan smith well even before that but when jonathan smith left your heart just breaks for the folks in corvallis because like jonathan smith is a guy that was a walk-on that went to oregon state that played under mike riley like if there was anybody that was going to stay at oregon state throughout all this craziness it was jonathan smith and so the fact that he's like, hey, it's just business. I got to go somewhere that's best for me and my career and my family. I just, I hate that for Oregon State. I hate that for the schools like Oregon State, like Washington State, that are going to seemingly on the outside looking in of the college football realignment world. So overall thoughts on it, I think it's going to happen. Um, how long can they hang on? We'll see. Uh, when it comes to the audition, though, that they made this past year for wherever they could end up conference-wise, thought you did all you could keeping short of keeping your head coach thought they did all they could it's just uh it's a dollars and cents game right now and you hate it for them so kind of is what it is hey shout out to everybody for 100 likes big time yep big time appreciate y'all never had a doubt we got time for a few more questions jd yeah, this man, one from landon fountain uh jd does will any of the alabama quarterbacks enter the transfer portal with julian saying coming next year ty simpson uh Tyler Buckner and uh, what's his name? Dylan Longren, is it? Yeah, D- yeah. D- Dylan Longren. I mean, one of them will, right, J.D.? Who, it's so think? tough on stuff like this because I don't want to speculate too much. Yeah, and I, absolutely. And I don't want to put something out there that's incorrect. Totally. I'll just say, like, I think it's, it's not unfair to assume that the law of nature with the transfer portal is it's very difficult to keep depth with multiple talented quarterbacks. I would also say, playing for the greatest of all time, there is more than just a football advantage to staying at Alabama. Like if you want to coach, if you want to stay around and be a coach at some point in your life, it's pretty nice to say, yeah, call my reference. Uh, You'll know him as Nick Saban. Like I think that probably holds some weight too. So I think transferring out of a place like Alabama is something that um, we'll see with less frequency than you would other places. But again, going back to that question, at some point in time, you're like, hey, Am I going to play here? Am I going to be? And I'm not speaking to anybody in specific. I'm just saying overall, like, you do have to start asking that question of what does it look like for me long term? So nobody that I'm going to go ahead and just say, yeah, they're transferring out because of this guy coming in. You also know that going to a place like Alabama, like, you know, hey, I'm going to a place that is five-star you. I'm going to a place with a ton of other talent. So, you know, we'll see. We'll kind of see how that one shakes out. But nobody that I'm like, watching super super closely at this point in time that i would feel confident enough to say yeah keep an eye on this guy leaving you know yeah absolutely uh two more questions um this one coming 
from Matthew. J.D., is this weekend's game against Bama the hardest game Georgia would play for the rest of the year, assuming they keep winning? That's a think, good question. Or do you think there's a tougher test? That's coming? a good question. I think if they play Michigan, that would be a tougher test because Georgia has been so dominant on the line of scrimmage, and they've been so good in one-on-one -on -one coverage and been so good, quite honestly, winning one-on-one -on -one battles. Michigan is kind of a similar version of Georgia, except they lean a little bit more heavy on the run, um, and their playmakers probably don't scare you quite as much. But I think Michigan would be a tougher test than Bama in a different way. Like Jalen Milrow is probably going to be the best player you'll play for the rest of the way, um, depending on who they draw here in that, in that first round. If they were to beat Alabama, I guess you could make an argument for Oregon or Michael Penix. He presents a unique challenge. Like you will not have to play another player like Jalen Milrow the rest of the season. So in that way, I guess you could say that it's a, it's a difficult test, uh, but that's just kind of the way that I feel like college football shakes out. Like every single week, it's not tougher or, you know, more or less difficult, it really does come down to different parts of your team that are tested. Like the second level of Georgia's defense trying to tackle Jalen Milrow will have a different test than trying to tackle Blake Corum running downhill at you. Like it just, it takes a different skill set week to week. So I think the strain will be unique and it'll be tough with Alabama, but I do think like if you were just take the absolute value, the Michigan test overall is uh, is a bit tougher for me. JD, um, you say one more? One more, yeah. Let's do Sylvie it, says, JD, does Kyle McCord deserve to start? Um, does he deserve the starting job at Ohio State going forward? What do you think? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. It's not for me to say he doesn't deserve it. I would say when it comes to this upcoming offseason, when it comes to spring football and fall camp, I think you have to do another open competition because what you saw this past year was a team that won in a different way. And Kyle McCord, to be clear, won on the road for you at Notre Dame, uh, won against Penn State. But next season, yes, your receiving core will still be elite. Do you have Marvin Harrison Jr. there to just be your answer? I think it has to be a more quarterback-driven system. And the way that it looked to me against Michigan, I think you need somebody that can wiggle a little bit back there. Now, maybe Kyle McCord has more of that, and we just haven't seen that. But I think you have to at least go back to square one and have it be even playing field between him and Devin Brown or whoever else you want to throw in the mix and say, all right, who's our, who's our best option? So that's how I feel about it. I would at the very least reassess it. It's hard for me to say he doesn't, he doesn't deserve it. I think he is a leader in that locker room. I think he is a leader of that football team. Mm -hmm. His, he still has some skins on the wall, but I, I do think you got to take a close look at, at what went wrong. And to me, you did not get good enough quarterback playing that game against Michigan. Yeah. yeah, well, speaking of Michigan, look what they did, you know, and it worked out for them. 100%. Well. They had a mobile quarterback. They, they switched, yeah, just like you said, they switched quarterbacks with McNamara and McCarthy, and it's, mm -hmm. it's paying dividends to the tune of more than likely two Big Ten titles. So, yep. We'll unless see. unless uh, Cade's team has anything to say about that um, yeah. this weekend. Dude, I, which obviously I not wish playing, he was quarterback for that. Right yeah, now. and. Yeah, that would be something. That'd be pretty interesting, man. How awesome would that be if we got Cade McNamara versus the guy that took his job yeah. after he won the Big Ten title in J.J. McCarthy? Like, that would be a soap opera. Again, we got backup quarterbacks taking over the starting quarterback role and potentially playing each other in a Big Ten championship game. And then you got Bobby Petrino having a scandal going back to his old school that he was at as a head coach, as an OC. Mm -hmm. Like, the reality TV script of this thing, Nick, is, is something else, man. Something yeah. else. That'd, that'd be a good special on uh, it would be. on on three's YouTube channel in a couple of years if that were to happen. It would be but. a good special. Nick, you the man. Same time tomorrow. Same time, same place. There it is, baby.
the man, the myth, the legend. Breaking some news. Jumping on here. Jumping on the mic. Telling us we got guys transferring mid-show. It's that time of year. So, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're not dialed in right here to the On3 YouTube channel and subscribing right now, no time like the present. Would love to have you a part of this. We got more college football coming at you tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. It's college football every single day of the year here. So make sure you're dialed in. Again, make sure you subscribe. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JD Pakel. A great way for us to then involve you into the show and interact back and forth. That's one of the best mediums for us to do that. So subscribe here, follow there, and we're going to keep this party rolling. For Nick Break, for myself, appreciate y'all. We love y'all again. Keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-420-47 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.